Hello friends and welcome. I hope you all woke up this morning with medicine on your mind. I know I sure did. My name is Sonia Surya and I am so excited that you're here with me on this unique journey in exploring various medical fields and how to navigate the educational and professional pathways within them. If you're like me and are thinking of a career in healthcare or are even just interested in hearing about different careers in general, keep listening to hear from a real professional about their personal experiences and advice. There is no better way to explore the field of medicine. And of course, if you enjoy this episode and others, feel free to share this podcast with friends and family. My main goal here is to bring as much knowledge as I can to as many different people as possible. So with that, let's get right into our interview for the day. So I'm super excited for the interview that we have today with an incredible forensic psychiatrist. This is a field that I haven't been able to really dig deeply into, so I'm really excited to hear from her today and about her career. So Nithandi, could you just introduce yourself, um, you know, where you live, your career now, and even some interests and hobbies you have outside of work? I'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist. I... um... I live in Cardiff in Wales and um, I work in a low secure psychiatric unit in South Wales, close to where I live. Um, Interests, hobbies, um, I used to learn and have an interest in um, South Indian classical music. I don't do that anymore. I think with work and um, work schedules, it it is difficult to have too many uh, interests outside work, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's me. Yeah, thank you. Um, my first question for you, for listeners, to really get an idea of how to get into this career of forensic psychiatry, is what was your educational pathway like, and what is the normal education required to get there? Right. Um, I did my uh, basic medical qualification which you have to do um, in India, um, where I was um, born, brought up in Karnataka state. Um, It was in the Vijayanagar Institute of Medical Sciences, which is a medical college about 300 kilometers from from Bangalore. Mm -hmm. Um, After I finished, I was was working um, in India for a bit and then uh, came to the UK. When you move to another country um, a lot of countries don't recognize um, another country's medical qualification so you have to go through a qualifying exam Um, for example if if you were going to the US you used to have the USMLE you know you you have to um, kind of pass that qualifying exam in order to start working as a medic which is the same in the UK, it's called the PLAB exam. So that is what I had to take in order to be registered by the General Medical Council in the UK. And after that, I started my training. Um, um, I started training to become a psychiatrist. So it involves um, practical training, which is working in um, different um, psychiatric posts um, 
psychiatry itself is divided into a number of subspecialities. So you have general psychiatry or what we call adult psychiatry. You have older adults, um, which is the arena of, um, of dementia mainly, um, substance misuse. You have forensic, which is dealing with offenders, learning disability, child and adolescent psychiatry. So you have to do a number of these uh, mm-hmm. posts. And at the same time, you have to take your qualifying exams. So that's the the membership of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, it's called. So that comes in two parts and it's a number of um, theory and practical exams. So whilst you're doing your training, you're doing the exams as well. So the aim is to kind of finish the requisite training and pass your exams. So you're a qualified psychiatrist. Okay. At the end of that, it usually takes three years, you know, anything from three years onwards. But after that, you have to do higher training in whichever subspeciality of psychiatry you've chosen. And again, the areas of psychiatry that I earlier explained, you you choose one of them and go on to work specifically in that area. And for me, um, I I chose and applied for forensic psychiatry. So you, um, training has changed a lot in recent years because you have to remember I've been a consultant now for about 13 years. So my mm-hmm. training was more than 15 years ago. Things have changed now. The whole recruitment process has changed. Um, but when I trained, you had to, uh, you, you had to apply for the post in the hospital or um training facility you were looking at and then you attended the interview and if you were successful you got the post which is what I did um forensic psychiatry is managing mentally disordered offenders or um if they're not offenders they're they're definitely people with um challenging behavior or aggressive behavior and Mm -hmm. risks which is the reason they're they come under the forensic psychiatry um and um training is usually in some form of secure unit um most of the training when i did it was in what is known as medium secure unit which is where i did my training for um it's a minimum of three years i did it for four years um at the end of which i qualified as a forensic psychiatrist so that's known as the higher training in psychiatry Mm. um yeah, that was in 2007 that I then qualified. Um, so that was, you know, um, my training completed. And um, I guess, again, in the US, they call them attendings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the equivalent of, you know. Okay, I see. An attending. So, yeah, that's the uh, long, long drawn out <laughs> route <laughs> becoming a, yeah. Thank you for explaining all of that. Um, my next question for you is, how and why did you decide to pursue forensic psychiatry? And were there any other fields of interest within medicine for you before that? Um, psychiatry was always an area of interest. I, I don't think I considered any other speciality in medicine. Hmm. Um, and sometimes you find that you're either interested in psychiatry or you're not, because it's almost like, it's, it's almost a, a kind of slightly away from the other specialities because it is 
different you know the 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 level of science and investigations is probably less it's a lot to do with interactions so you have to be that way inclined in order to do psychiatry you know um if you're if you're if you're very much um you know um surgically minded for example you could you couldn't do um psychiatry um and because we deal with offenders to be a forensic psychiatrist there has to be some extent of um being tolerant towards um be it offending offenders and challenging right. behavior if you're if it's if it's something that um you can't be non-judgmental about you can't be objective about and you can't tolerate then that field is not for you so right. for me um i was my um <laughs> my disposition uh, and and i i suppose um psychological mindset such that um i was able to tolerate it and it didn't spook me in any way so right. i was i was able to, and I, it was always an area of interest as well for me you know why you know the why of offending or um so um so i guess i did not consider any other subspeciality this was this was what i wanted to do and i'm and i'm very happy doing it Right. Um, so yeah well that's good that's yes good. I think you have to be happy in your job isn't it that's because you do it for a lifetime you know yeah in most cases I mean you can change and you know obviously but I guess you know once you um you know you do give it a, a, a fair amount of thought and you know it's um it's it, it is very important to be um to be satisfied and happy doing what you do so right yeah right what inspired you to move from India to the UK? I think at that time, people I knew were uh, make the move. Um, there was um, there was a lot of talk of uh, of opportunities and prospects here. Um, I'm I'm sure you're aware, you know, with the population in India, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the level of competition, the 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 number of people, kind of, you know. Uh, applying for every post is you know much higher and and I think I was just I was just looking for a for a different life I guess yeah I you can't can't explain it more than that and and, and that's the reason um I came and um once I specialized and qualified here um this has become my life so you know um again I'm happy kind of living here and after you live away for a while I guess you you do imbibe a lot of the um the customs and the lifestyle and um and then going back I suppose both from a professional and personal point of view is quite difficult yeah that makes sense yeah 
So you mentioned how being objective is really important, and obviously in, in basically all medical professions, that's a really important skill, but in your profession specifically, it's so important and also comes with a little bit of stress because of the types of cases and people you're working with. So how have you come up with some mechanisms to make sure that, one, you're objective, but also that you don't take things home from work that could impact your own mental health? Um, I think because we, um, you, you don't starting to be a medical student, to being a fully qualified medic, to be, to being a fully qualified specialist in a short period of time, it takes a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. people do have the, the, time and training when they are possibly you know more affected um you have exposure for years and even you know even more than a decade by the time you qualify so uh, so i guess you um i could possibly think back being a student and being affected but slowly you just this this becomes you know something you um see at work you deal with it and then you're able to, you know, over time, just leave that behind and, you know, kind of, I guess. And throughout training, you also have, um, you know, supervision with consultants where you're, where you're able to discuss these things, speak to people about know difficult situations and Mm -hmm. you'll always find you know i i can still think back to you know whether you want to call them mentors or supervisors who you know impart their ways of having having managed difficult situations and you 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 know you slowly take from that what is what works for you and i just you know slowly build up your own strategy so by the time you're fully qualified and you're working independently, you've, you've set up a set of mechanisms to, you know, right. um, deal with it. But sometimes it does affect people. And I guess disposition is something as well, you know. And they do say, I, I don't have the statistics for you, that sometimes people who have had, be it adverse um, experiences with mental health or adverse experiences of mental health within their family tend to gravitate towards mental health because, Mm. you know, they feel that there will be a higher degree of tolerance if they do experience their own mental health problems and it is, you know, better understood kind of thing. So, I mean, I've known over time of colleagues who have had difficulties and I guess you, you know that it can happen to anybody and, you know, you, you know, right they work through it and then they come back and do the work till um, they're affected again and you know that's that's how it is I guess Um, um, yeah and then what specific skills are required in psychiatry and more specifically in forensic psychiatry Um, I think you talked a little bit about this earlier except if you just you know had anything else to add or other skills you think are important Um, I guess again um you have to um you have to talk and you have to be able to listen you know um 
I mean, I come across, you know, sometimes medics in other specialities who would who would find, you know, the kind of lengthy conversations that or, you know, sessions that we would have with our patients quite onerous, you know, um, mm-hmm. again, you know, be it general practitioners, surgeons and, you know, it's about they do spend time with the patients, but in a different way. So you have to be able to do that. You have to be in a way psychologically minded where you're um you're able to see um the individual as a whole take their family situation and why they are what they are you know you Mm -hmm. have to be able to put those aspects together and think laterally I suppose to be to be a psychiatrist um and I and in forensic psychiatry again as I um spoke to have that tolerance and non-judgmental attitude towards offending is important and um, especially because some people have towards certain offenses be it you know maybe what we call acquisitive offenses which are you know theft and burglary that's okay but people are more spooked by violent offenses or maybe sexual Mm -hmm. offending but as a forensic psychiatrist you know I have to be aware that I would see the all range of offences and I have to um, see the person in the same way. Right. You have to have an attention for detail because it's looking into be it a single offence or the history of offending. Sometimes people have long histories, they've been in contact with services for a long time. It's It's a lot of records, it's trawling through them, it's the attention for detail. It's that kind of thing. And we also have to have some degree of interface with the courts and prisons. So you have to be able to do that. Um, And with courts as well, because sometimes law is (laughs) black and white Mm -hmm. and um, psychiatry sometimes is not. So you have to be able to marry those two together and, you know, make sense to a court, you know. So, So... those kind of things. And, and and those are the areas which are, you know, for me, extremely interesting. And, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That does sound really interesting to me, too. Um, the last thing I had to ask you just to wrap this up before we get going is if you had any pieces of advice for young listeners looking to go into medicine or even more specifically into psychiatry. I guess... Again, it's you have to, you have to want to do it. It's it is, be it you know any profession, um, and particularly medicine, any field of medicine, psychiatry is something y- y- you really have to want to do rather than, um, you know, for for other reasons, you know, because it is, it's a lot of years by yeah. the time you finish and you know by the time you you get to where you want to be but um but also if you if if you if you get into it and you and you really feel it's not for you there are you know other options because otherwise you're not you're not doing yourself justice you're not doing justice to all, all the people around you and the people you're going to be treating you know in in the future and again you know be it observational posts or attachments to 
to kind of go and do those because because you might have an idea of what it is but it's actually when you be it you know do an observational post at a general practitioner surgery or at a local hospital that you actually see what it is you know yeah. and at the end of it you might find that actually i absolutely love it this is this is uh, you know this is all that i thought it would be or be it the long hours or you know the actual seeing sick people and even even maybe you know adverse events and you might find that that's actually something you struggle with and you don't like it so so i think it it, it is important in whatever way you can to have exposure because thinking you know what it is and actually seeing it firsthand are different things right so so i think that's something that you know and talking to people i guess if you know somebody like you know you for example sanya you know, from mm-hmm. you know from your um, circle of people that you and your family know i'm sure whichever speciality you were looking at you you would find somebody in that area to talk to and then uh, you know get an idea is is this is this what i want for myself you know right. so i guess it's 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 putting yourself out there and and getting as much information and knowledge and practical experience that you can in order to make that decision yeah yeah that makes sense well thank you for that exa- advice um and for everything else you've said i really appreciate um the time that you're putting in to talk to me about no, this no it's i mean you know it's 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 not something i've done before but but it's always you know important for us from you know for us professionals to be able to talk about what we do and right if it could help somebody then yes i hope i know i talk quite fast i hope i haven't kind of no condensed it or not given you enough no 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 you gave me great information thank you and and like you said um i think it's really important for me and also for listeners to be hearing from professionals and the reason why i wanted to start this and really talk to more people is because there's no shadowing opportunities with covid right now and i think absolutely. that that observing and talking is important absolutely that thank yeah. you <laughs> well thank you so much again thank you bye 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 Wasn't it just so wonderful to hear from such an incredible professional? I truly hope you were able to think medicine with me today. Again, my name is Sonia Surya and I'm from Portland, Oregon in the United States. I'm always open to hearing new ideas that I can try out. If you have ideas for me, want to learn something more, or just want to send me your thoughts, click the voice message button on my profile at anchor.fm/thinkmedicine or send it directly through the link anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine slash message. I'd love to hear from you all directly, and I'm open to expanding the type of content I offer. If you enjoyed this episode, share this podcast with someone who you think would love it as well. Thank you for being here today, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Think Medicine with Sonia.